0: Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, i will introducing your host, Gareth Beckett.
1: Howdy mountain bikers, thanks for being here and welcome to episode 126 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked... And hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in and thanks for being with us this week. Now have you ever wondered how you get the MTB products that you like and love so much? How does that process work from getting from the brand, from the factory, from the manufacturing process to you in your hand in the store or from online? Did you ever wonder how it works? I know it's maybe not that exciting to think about But there's a process involved there, there's a team of people involved there, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time, a lot of responsibility and a lot of money to get products from the brand into your hands. So I thought it would be interesting to bring somebody from that industry onto the podcast just to have a chat about it. The whole distribution side of things to better understand how the process works and what's involved. We also chat obviously a lot about Keith's background because he has been heavily involved in the MTB scene, the outdoor scene for a long, long time. He's organized events. He's been involved in one way or another and he's just finally found his true passion with Tara Fincher, his distribution company, which we will chat about as well also and how that whole process works. It was great to get Keith on the show. It was great to find a little bit more insight into this side of things because we don't really think about it. It doesn't really cross our minds in all fairness. We see something we like, we go in, we try it on, we purchase it. That's where it kind of starts and ends with us and consumers, but there's a lot lot more to it than that, so it was great to get Keith on the show chat about that chat about his new distribution company, Terra Venture. Now, stick around to the end of the show, folks, because Keith has been so so kind to offer all his listeners of the m t b tribe podcast a promo code and fifteen percent off all his product over the month of February on his website so stick around to the end of the show and find out more information on how you can get that fantastic offer so without further ado let's get keith on the show hi keith welcome to the mtb tribe podcast how's things sir
2: very well today uh thank you very much gareth
1: good 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 stuff now keith you have a really good story and i'm really keen to get into it we had a quick chat the other day on the phone and uh you're based in scotland there and uh very very interesting background, um, but at the minute you have a company called Terra Venture, uh, which is a distribution company for a number of N- MTB brands, and we'll get into that a wee bit later in the show. Um, and you're based in Scotland and stuff there, but you're originally from Northern Ireland. So tell us what it was like growing up in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken, in Northern Ireland on a mountain bike.
2: Uh, I know. It was, I mean, I was in Northern Ireland, uh, born in 81, and I left in 99, so I had a, a first 18 years uh, in Northern Ireland, and it was just brilliant, because when I reached about 10, um, my father was an enthusiastic photographer, and he, he saw advertised in the local paper a, a bike race at Castle Park in Bangor, and uh, just outside Belfast, so... We uh, headed down. I just went. I was too nervous. I didn't want to. I was just still used to playing around with my BMX in the street and uh, <laughs> I, I was too shy. And he was trying to encourage me to have a go, but I thought I'd go and watch. And uh, it was run uh, through the Toyota North Down Club, I think, at the time. And this would have been oh, early 90s. So we're talking 91, 92, maybe just a little later. And mountain biking was just starting to get popular, but a lot of the kids were on. A mixture of kinds of bikes, you know, and it was just a, a wee taped out course around Castle Park, and it was. I was just. Uh, I thought it looked absolutely brilliant, and I wanted to ride it. Uh, so there was a, a series started thereafter, um and then went on from getting into that to getting sort of slightly more advanced bikes and uh, being a real follower and having uh, sort of following the magazines as a youth and things like that. And, I was uh, also going around the Northern Ireland and Ulster uh, circuit of the events and things uh, throughout that sort of 10 years, I guess. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And like, did you, you know, you obviously said there you started BMX and which was huge at that time. Um, Do you think the BMX thing was a natural progression into the mountain biking? Because a lot of people seem to have come from that background because it was so popular in the kind of 80s and 90s.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I wasn't really in uh, a competitive scene so much in the BMX. We had a a BMX track not far. And, I mean, it is literally, you see these... Posts on Facebook nowadays where, you know, uh, somebody is sending a message out to the kids saying, here's six pallets stacked up on a builder's uh, piece of plywood uh, (laughs) lent against it. I mean, that was what we did, you know, and Uh the the stereotype was actually very true of my upbringing. Um, There was a building site across the road and we just built the craziest ramps and and mucked about uh, on the weekends when the builders weren't there. They would come in and find all these different structures built out of what they'd left on a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. That was good, but the, certainly the transition for me into mountain biking, uh, from just sort of playing in the street and, and on the BMX, uh, I just really, really enjoyed the more, uh, the group competitive atmosphere at the mm-hmm. event, and just being able to push myself. That was- mm-hmm.
1: And did your dad have any kind of history in the bike scene or anything like that? What what made him go to the mountain biking initially?
2: I think it was just because it was different. It was a new sport that was starting. Um, it was a local event as well. And it was just trying to capture the action, I suppose, um, is what interested him, you know. Uh, uh-huh. I'm very glad he saw that. I've written that paper because it's, uh, it's sort of created a pathway for how my life has turned out. Yeah,
1: it's crazy, man, how these little things can change, j- just change the path for your whole lifetime, really, isn't it? You get hooked on something like that, and away you go. Yeah,
2: so uh, from from there, we got into triathlon and, and uh, competing at that, and the sort of Ulster schools, all Ireland schools level, and, uh, and then by that point, it was really, uh, considering my options, actually, I moved across to Scotland in pursuit of a... Career in design, um, went into the art college in Dundee, and that's when I, I, I really broadened from just being interested in, in mountain biking into the outdoor world. Um, that that was the, the the key key moment was actually a friend from university, who's a friend from Northern Ireland as well. We both came across, as was quite common in that era, and his uh, family had built a cottage in Glencoe and we drove up. Uh, from Dundee in the night and uh, so it was pitch dark I'd never been up that part of the world before and I just woke up the next morning in the cottage and opened the windows and there was a hole uh, of the loch in the mountains in front of me snow-capped mountains it was just another world you know uh, mm. that just it blew my mind that this was within reach you know and I, I was out of Dundee as many weekends of the year as I could get to get up into the islands um, so, yeah, so it's, it's one thing just sort of developed onto another, the passion for the outdoors.
1: Mm-hmm. And you
2: were over there studying? That's right. Yes. we uh, did a design course.
1: All right, cool. And so you're up in this environment and you obviously have a love for the outdoors with the mountain biking and everything else. So where did you move on from there then? Because you did get more involved in the outdoors kind of stuff after uni, did you? or
2: yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I thought I would, uh, I finished university, I thought I would go and work in Edinburgh and move to the Big Smoke. And I lasted, uh, I think it was maybe six months <laughs> before <laughs> I saw. So, and it was another advert in the paper. Uh, it was the kind of thing. Uh, it was, uh, we'd moved on a generation though. It was on a, in a forum, I think, rather than being in print. But it was for an outdoor uh, education instructor assistant position up in Arraker in uh, the north end of Loch Long or close to the north end of Loch Lomond. And it was a, a kids' residential outdoor centre, took school groups and things, and they were offering a residential post, a sort of fairly minimal salary, but you got your bed, board, and useful equipment. And it was just another one of these situations where you just walk out the front door and there was the water's edge, and on the other side of the lock was the Arker Alps. Um, and it was absolutely stunning. So that developed my skills and interest in canoeing and climbing. Um, and then from there, I went on to work in other outdoor centres where there was mountain bike leadership groups and other things like that. So yes, um, ski. It was a very seasonal occupation as well, so you have to be adaptable. And uh, you know, I had a, a sign up in the local post office that was just all jobs considered. Cole Keith and the, my number, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that helped to bump up the the pay packet at the end of the month. Whether it was painting Highland fences or uh, you know uh, working on cottages and things and bodies and bits and that.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah because it's such a seasonal thing that kind of industry yeah
2: yeah and then in, in the highlands you're kind of find a lot of people are fairly multi-skilled as well and and there is a lot of community aspects to work on projects so there's never mm-hmm. a shortage of jobs to be done mm-hmm.
1: and were you mountain biking at that
2: time yes i was still in like i brought it over actually um when i moved to uh taking it back just a wee second and when I moved across to university I came with my mountain bike and uh, full of enthusiasm but there was rules about you had you know, there was no bikes allowed within the accommodation um and obviously my mountain bike was of good value and I didn't want to just leave it tied up with the rest so I actually had to take my wardrobe doors off their hinges so as I could fit my mountain bike in the wardrobe <laughs> and hide it from the cleaner and uh so yes I, I, I broke a few rules there but uh being a design student as well, we actually also needed a, quite a lot of desk space for computers and things, so we the doors actually got turned into tabletops. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, so we had a fairly unique setup, but well, you just couldn't leave your your bikes lying outside of the university accommodation. But so mountain biking um, continued on, in the background. I suppose cause I did. I did start uh, rowing with the university, mm-hmm. and that was four years. Um, Sort of ultimately uh, resulting in a race down at Henley Regatta, so sure the pinnacle of that. But it was a very good sport for developing the body. I mean, I broadened the leg out a lot and I got a lot more of her body strength. Um, full body workout on the indoor rowing machine, as anybody will know, who does it. Um, but that's uh, probably one of the fittest times of my life. I have to admit.
1: Yeah, the the, the rowing thing. I used to live in Korean. Um, in the north, and there's a rowing club there just on the Ban River, and if you're if you're driving by those guys at like half five, six in the morning, there's kids out there getting ready to go rowing, and it's like two, three degrees. Like, they're dedicated those guys.
2: I, I, I credit that, uh, because that was us as well, half five, we were out rowing before uh, university and things, and at the, see now, at the weekends, if we're heading off to an enduro, and it's a couple of hours away, we're loading the vans, in there out in the winter it's similar sort of uh times of the morning i think so i've I've got a little bit of that grip from those days that's hung on
1: Mm -hmm. no that's that's cool that's cool so what happened after that then keith um you decided to get involved um well as you put it become live the
2: lowland life (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right uh I moved back down in pursuit of sort of, I guess, a more formal career, really. Um, worked in the building industry and, and construction and surveying for a, a short time. Um, fortunately it tied in rather badly with the recession in 2007. Um, but by that time, uh, I was uh, needing to hold down a mortgage. I had a three-year-old and uh, I, I basically filled in my applications and I went to work in the emergency services for 10 years. Very good. So it was uh, finishing, really getting towards that 10-year point, which would have been around 2018. Um, I'd been mountain biking a lot more um, with the family. Uh, we'd, it was a, a real pastime for us. It's what we sort of do. Rather than holidays abroad, we would have a week at Kielder or a week in North Wales and just riding trails or across the UK. And we were really into our adventures as well. I mean, from my son was... Uh, able to hold on I think is probably the best way to put it um to a tag along he was attached to the back of a bike and we were off with tents and equipment we'd go multi-day uh backpacking and that that's where it turned from competitive mountain biking and sort of outdoors into a combination of mountain biking and adventure um and that's probably That's where we're at at the moment. Um, Certainly as a family, we really love the bikepacking. But a lot of the events that we go to through the business um, give us an opportunity to keep sort of uh, playing at the competitive side. But I think our passion really is just getting out there into the open spaces, um, getting away from it all and and, and going on a really good adventure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're still,
1: whereabouts do you live in Scotland now then, Keith?
2: So we're based in uh, Central Belt, just on the east coast towards Fife. Um, mm-hmm. it's a good location. Um, we're very fortunate. Uh, we've got some local hills. A fantastic local mountain bike clubs allow us to get out a couple of times a week. Um, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant location for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the scene's good there. The mountain bike scene.
2: Very strong. Very strong youth scene as well. We've got multiple um, youth mountain bike clubs uh, feeding kids through. Um, got a brilliant uh, cross country scene uh, in Scotland as well um and the enduro scenes are only really growing i mean you're falling over at my diary whenever i at the start of the calendar of a year when i go to program the events that we're going to attend with the brands um i could fill each event uh, each weekend twice Aye. it's uh, there's so much stuff going on and uh, we're obviously really keen to get south of the border and um we've got involved with the welsh enduro series this year and um, we're going to try and get down to them and um there's a really nice festival down in Llandegla in North Wales as well called MTB Meetup and they've been really good to us they've had us a couple Mm -hmm. of years in a row And um, yeah we're just trying to stretch our wings a little bit
1: yeah it's crazy the amount of stuff that's going on now just even here you know in in Ireland and in North as well if you were willing to travel you could be at an event every weekend over the kind of summer months and stuff Mm -hmm. it's crazy
2: crazy Something actually, I will see how the calendar goes this year, but next year I definitely want to make a couple of trips across. Uh, uh, it would be really nice to get back. There's a couple of long-distance events that we might try and tie it in with, make a weekend of it, and uh, try and do one of the events for ourselves at the end of the trip.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, let me know if you're coming over, and for sure. Brilliant. Um, so... That's cool. So, you decide to leave the uh, emergency services. What made that change? What made you want to flick that switch and, and leave a kind of full time job and do something else?
2: I, will, I, I guess it goes back to Cole Keith, doesn't it? That sign in the post office. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it is just, I've always had an entrepreneurial um, desire or background, or especially with design, it's quite a creative. I mean, that was, I'm dyslexic and I had a a variety of sort of issues, I suppose, in in my younger years of school with uh, reading and writing and things. It came on very well, I mean, with tutorship and, and, you know, development, but Mm -hmm. I guess I lacked a little confidence academically um, as a result of that. And it's amazing now, actually, how much writing you have to do (laughs) in -hmm. in terms of social media and all these things so i mean that would be one one thing i get um i get a lot of ambassador requests for people and a lot a lot from the young young people and i you know i get ones where you know it's just the the grammar and structure and things i'm not it's not to be the sort of english teacher about it but if you to be successful you want to be presenting yourself as best as you can and uh, i've got to do that on behalf of the brands i'm representing and The people ultimately, I suppose, that we would want to represent us or work with us. You know, we want them to try and have those basics. So it it didn't really hit me until later life when you really realise that you know there's a big gap between leaving school and actually sometimes where you find your uh, passion. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's speaking surprising. Sometimes can surprise you the skill sets you need actually to fulfil fulfil that. Um, But with with leaving the emergency services there was a desire to to take on something new as well i mean i'd I'd been there for 10 years um and i really was quite involved with the mountain vaccine in scotland i was around a lot of events um had enough contacts that um we had developed a a friendship with another distributor in the netherlands and he uh one evening encouraged me to uh to consider his his kind of occupation where he was a one man distributor. Um, he had a small collection of brands and he, he went around to dealerships and promoted those and encouraged the sale of them. But we'd actually, there's a, a good background to that story as to how we, we came to be sitting around a bonfire in Fort William. Um, about three to four years previously, my, my wife and I, um, one of her family members, her aunt had passed away and she'd, she left us a small sum of money and uh, she was quite a adventurous woman and we both felt and lindsay in particular my wife, too felt that that it would be appropriate to use that money just for something that was a little bit different um so we'd we'd actually witnessed a couple of people riding a mountain bike tandem in glentress in scotland um a couple of years before and we'd, we'd really sort of been inspired but we'd seen the cost of them and it was just prohibitive i mean they were about five thousand pounds Mm. Uh for a ventana or a really you know nice one. By the time you cut it out with the, the kinds of componentry that we would want, because I mean we didn't want a tandem for just riding sort of gravel trails, we wanted a tandem that would really take on mountain bike trails with full suspension, mm. big four-pot brakes, and and you know, almost uh, sort of enduro style, just tr- reaching what trail turns into, you know, a more aggressive trail. Mm. And so we did a bit of research and we actually found that this company called MSC made one and uh, they had a distributor. They didn't have any distributors at that time in the UK, but they had one in the Netherlands. So we got in touch and he was super enthusiastic and he, uh, about it, he, he could see our passion, but he said that shipping on that uh, tandem, because of the length of it, it was 2.6 metres long. Uh, it would be, wow. it would be you know, a few hundred euros to get it across. And um, I guess I went back to my Northern Ireland roots and started digging about my coupons and uh, <laughs> I actually discovered that there was uh, enough uh, Tesco club card vouchers to get us a ferry ticket. Uh, yes. so we, we, we jumped on the ferry from Newcastle. We drove down, and we, we jumped on the ferry. Uh, actually, the just just my son was competing in, the I think it was, like the Scottish Youth Triathlon Championships or something of that hulk, and uh, he'd been handed over trust, trustingly to my parents to... Uh, take him to that event and the thing and we were on our way to Newcastle and this was our one opportunity our one book ticket you know we had every other weekend of the year was uh sort of booked up and busy and we had it all arranged and we got this phone call and my son our son had, had a crash in the event and uh it sustained you know a, a pretty nasty injury to his lippy. he'd uh, clipped a curb with uh his inside pedal and he'd ended up hitting another curb on the other side of the road so he was he was uh, a bit beaten up uh. And uh, the, the qualifying question was, uh, would he be admitted to hospital or would he not? And uh, they said he would probably get out just for some stitches. So, uh, so we said, that's fine. Just uh, take him home, wrap him up, give him a hot cocoa, and we're off to Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's, uh, uh, that was uh, our mission. And uh, so we headed off, and we took public transport from Amsterdam down to a town called Zealand. And uh, this is you're almost into Germany. You're in the most south eastern corner of the Netherlands, really. And uh, we attended this. Uh, there was a 24-hour event. And uh, our friend, Peter Derricks, who's the distributor, he had uh, taken the bike there so we could collect it from him. But he was actually competing in the event um, like for a charity cause. So he had a tandem and he was selling the back seat of the tandem for 50 euros per hour. And you could come on and jump on the back seat. And he had it all arranged. He had some good riders. I mean, you couldn't just, you know, go on and expect to get uh trailer. Mm-hmm. You needed to be able to put in your effort. But he was a very good bike handler, and he would, uh, was quite happy to have different people on the back. And he was extremely fit. So he was riding the 24 hours. So Wow. Uh, as a, we were aware of this setup. So we in preparation, uh, my wife, who's uh, quite the tablet maker, uh, produced a sort of half kilo of uh, scottish tablet to take across and it was only when we got there and we said hello and we said here's some fuel for you and we set our uh, half kilo of tablet down the table that we looked up and the gazebo and saw it was for a diabetes charity <laughs> yeah, so you can imagine how well that went down it was it was, it was very our, our gesture was very well received but uh, uh-huh. there we missed so many takers on the tablet
1: and what's what's Scottish tablet? Is it just like a, a cake of some sort, or yeah,
2: it's a it's a very sweet, um, very high sugar content based. If you think sort of along the lines of fudge and coffee, but it's a wee bit more uh, crumbly. Um, right, comes in sort of just that same sort of flat tray bake, and it gets diced up into little blocks. Um, mm-hmm. Brilliant with coffee after a meal, these kinds of things. But it is a it is one for those with a sweet tooth and not fun with that <laughs> initial imbalance. It's a. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and so you got your tandem there um wow that's cool what weight
2: are those things ours weighs about 22 kilos if we've got it um it's probably put on a few pounds now because we've uh we've got some ambitions uh to go and do some more gravity oriented stuff on yeah. it so we've just recently received a bit of support from tram and got a uh, a set of uh, the new lyric ultimates uh 160s on the front Mm-hmm. And we're running with a big sort of 2.6, 2.7 and a half uh, tyre gripper on the front. Um, wow. And then we've, we've also changed um, some of the set. we will put more enduro, sort of 30 mil internal type wheel set on it. And we're, oh. we're just, on the rear triangle, we're just getting away with it. It's uh, just enough clearance for the, the bigger, more aggressive tyres. But mm-hmm. We still have 160 mil travel in the back as well, and we tested it, and we put this kit on, and we tested it at the, um, it was the Mahmedan uh, Fair City Enduro in October, uh, at the end of last year, um, um, which is <laughs> the world's only fancy dress um, EWS qualifying event. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> So we've took part as a, we were the TLN Charlie. So uh, uh, Aaron, the organizer, was brilliant. He let us go round as the last man and not woman, I suppose, as we say. And uh, we have full devil's kind of outfit on. We had uh, got some really nice new Met Parachute helmets uh, with uh, the devil's horns on them, all in sort of completely in red. And mm. uh, We took to the, the full six stages of the Enduro. Um, and we ended up on stage six. I think we beat about 56 people down it. Wow. So, yeah, um, I think stage stage five were something like 30 to 40 people. Um, some of the earlier stages were a wee bit more tight and twisty, so they were a wee bit more technical and harder, so the latter ones were a little bit more open. and I mean, we're 185 kilos fully loaded, so um, when you take that into consideration, the acceleration is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. If we're pointing downhill and I let go of the brakes, it's like a rocket, so uh, you just have to be conscious you're going to have to stop it at some point.
1: Mm -hmm. and you're in total control of that tandem right so you you steer and you break
2: yeah steer and breaking but you'd be amazed i mean um is a an incredible stoker she comes from a a horse racing uh and sort of in terms of eventing um cross-country style uh, equestrian background um so she's quite used to being on the back of something that has neither speed or control uh (laughs) so so she's uh the leaning uh, or the balance effect of the rider in the back has a considerable amount to do with uh, how well you can get round corners. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely teamwork and there's a lot of communication that has to go. And I think we probably communicate best on the tandem than we do at any other point in life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's interesting also that you mentioned the Met parachute helmet because I was looking at those yesterday. That's the, that's the full face, the kind of magnetic chin thing. That's right. Uh, how are those? Are those?
2: They look amazing. No, uh, we've been delighted with them. Uh, again, it was just a little bit of support. I mean, uh, sort of going on to where we'll, we'll talk a bit later on about, about Terra Venture and, and how that's come to be and, and grown. But essentially, we we have got quite a good collection of ambassadors, and um, I feel it's it's my job to try and bring as much added value to those that are supporting myself and the business. So we try to bring in other brands that we don't actually necessarily represent. Mm-hmm. so for example like some mudhugger and met helmets and and people like that we can uh, provide offers to our ambassadors to for those companies and um help them to uh, make some savings on their kit for the year and things like that i think every every little bit helps when you're a, a privateer racer you know um yeah so with, through that um we were able to get the they made helmets, and uh, they're just fantastic. They made great for a devil's helmet costume as well. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: uh, but the chin bars are fantastic. Yeah, they just pop on and off. Um, and we, yeah, the Enduro was the start. We've got some ambitions to uh, take on some events. Um, there's a, a one coming up, um, which we're, we're going to announce shortly. Um, can't give out the details of it just at the minute. I've got a few things to confirm. But it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the most uh, notable gravity events uh, in the country that will be coming up soon.
1: Cool, and that's obviously with the tandem.
2: Yes, yeah, <laughs> we're still uh, looking at the logistics, but uh, that, that one is uh, it'll be special if we get it going.
1: Yeah, I love that rent the bike seat idea that for Charlie. That's very, very good. That's
2: cool. I love that idea, it's brilliant. And uh, so, we, we spoke where yeah. I after he had completed his uh, one of his laps, he needed to take a break anyway. So we got the opportunity then to get introduced to our tandem, and we set off and we'd ridden the tandem for about 20 minutes before that uh, testing one at Kielder Forest, and we had 130 kilometres to get to the ferry, um, and it was all on cycleways. So we, so excuse me, we were navigating just off the phone apps. And uh, we rode for probably the best part of 10 hours uh, up and we oh. stayed in a little lakeside hut, that one of these sort of walkers huts you can rent. Uh, we just booked it over the Internet. The key was under the mat. We arrived about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And I actually got to the point that we rode straight into a wire fence because it was just that dusk and we were that shattered that uh, we just missed a turning. Just, it was a T-junction and we just went straight on. Oh, no. You know, have you ever seen those? Uh, imagine you're on Top Gun and the uh, your 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 fighter jet comes in to land on an aircraft carrier and it gets caught in a sling. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it couldn't have been more apt. I mean, this thing must have stretched about five, six metres and we went back in and then ended up going about two metres backwards. <laughs> so like our safety net at the bottom of the hill. Um, we were still getting used to it, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see I'm just going in the lock though. But, so, yeah, we headed on just basically a really early start next day, and we headed up on our Ferry, and we were absolutely hooked. Um, we learned a few things about things like chamois cream and other things that you're going to do when you're going to start riding 130k. Um, but it was it was a great adventure, and that really that's, from its very first ride, it has been a, a great success and i would encourage anybody to to have a go it's it's a, a maker or a breaker for your marriage that's for sure
1: mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah cool so effectively you weren't really thinking of terra venture at this time were you um
2: which actually um i was an organizer an event organizer for the scottish mountain biking uh orienteering uh, series and they've got a selection of events in Scotland and uh, I'd organised a couple of these events and we've been trying to think of a brand name just for the organisation of those I mean I was still working full-time this is a voluntary kind of thing the events are non-profit
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and we'd been trying to come up with a new name for the series so some of the other organisers and myself in, are in the car park and I sort of blurted out this Venture <laughs> idea um, and the other guys that were in the car park kind of looked and hemmed and had and I was sort of thinking into myself you know, I shouldn't have said that, that's a great name.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and none of them really took it up. So I was like, brilliant. And then I just went away and then developed that myself. And uh, that's how it originated from uh, just needing a wee brand name to call ourselves just to run a, an event. Um, and that's one of the key things I mean, I found, and I'm sure it's the same in Northern Ireland, Ireland, the they ride in communities is brilliant it's it's really quite small although it's there's so many events I mean it's a small world mm-hmm. and I was able I was able to call on a, a local event organizer from my area um, Aaron who actually ran that um, fancy dress in Euro and I remember this was like well before Terra Venture and 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 as in a business it was just when we had the name and uh he ran events actually in the local area and so you know he could have seen me as a rival he could have you know uh sort of what he wanted to do on my turf kind of thing you know but we just organized a, a meet up and went for a ride in the local forest and and shattered through and incredibly supportive um it was a different style of event the kind of events he was doing it was not for profit you know and he couldn't have been more helpful um and it's that kind of encouragement and those kind of vibes that really helped me uh, make that leap, um, you know, from leaving a full-time 40-hour-a-week occupation, pension, and, and other things to being self-employed and the uh, running your own business. It was uh, a belief in the sort of the, that there was a community there that would um, not necessarily just, you know, back us, but, you know, there was people that were interested, there were people that were supportive, and uh, I think that was a long way uh, towards sort of helping me make that decision. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah because it's a big thing to leave especially when you have a a family there as well it's a big thing to leave you know a regular income and everything else to and to take a chance a leap of faith almost in something new for yourself because i know you have been interested you've had plenty of roles in that kind of industry but this is the first time you've ever kind of done like a distribution thing so you weren't really that keyed in on it how did you how did you get up your speed because i'm sure you had too fast
2: yeah, um, very much so. I mean, we uh, after uh, we'd acquired that tandem, we'd been around it for a couple of years. And actually, we invited uh, – to, it took us two years to get enough pictures of Scotland with blue skies to uh, convince my, uh, my the, N- the Netherlands distributor to bring his wife and family to Scotland for some mountain biking. And <laughs> that's, how, that's how we ended up in Fort William, actually. The, the guys up at No Fuss Events there, they allowed us to enter two tandems in their annual 10 Under the Bend mountain bike race which is a 10-hour endurance race around the sort of foot area of uh, Ben Neveson, the, the beside the World Cup downhill track. And it was sort of a post-event chat and me talking about sort of the woes of my current occupation. And, uh, and he, he sort of helped to push and prod I sort of, I guess, it that had been an idea in the background, um, just constantly looking at catalogues and brands and researching and, and doing some um, investigations into small brands. I, I love small mm-hmm. business. I love people that are other entrepreneurs. I like to see how we can uh, network and help grow uh, brands. I'm very much a person for the underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really like the idea that he ran his own business and he, he was able to work with a, a small collection of brands, not making it too complicated. Um, so he fed back to uh, Spain, to the headquarters of MSC. And just at that time, um, they... Uh, finished working distribution for another major tire brand in Europe um, and they were going into launching and creating their their own brand so that would have been in around November first tires were not due till around April Um, so I flew across to Barcelona and I met with Farron who's the the CEO of MSC and we had a great first day And I mean the first day wasn't even really talking about business it was it was getting to know me as a person and and, um, walking around Barcelona showing the architecture went for some great food and it, that was, he was very keen on the, the individual mm-hmm. um, and, and who he was going to be doing business with uh, and representing them, and finding a wee bit more about my background and the variety of things and um, connections, I suppose I have because he was aware that you know we didn't have a, a full distribution sort of chain all re- you know sitting ready to go. It had to be something that was to be developed.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I knew I needed to come back in with like a clincher, you know, something the next day when we were going to sit down at the table and talk numbers and business. Um, so I am sitting in a hotel room, and I'm aware that the time difference and things in Scotland. And uh, I think, sort of thinking, who can I call? I'm going through my phone book. You know, I need I need something for tomorrow morning that's going to, you know, just put this across the, across the line, past the post. So I came through, through the phone directory, and uh, Fraser, a uh, couple who runs the Nofas events and also runs the Scottish Enduro series along with Spook, they. Um, I've known them uh, obviously because of having the tandems at, at one of their other events um, we'd had some good conversations in the past so I just phoned him ad hoc and uh, asked him who tower sponsor was going to be for uh, 2018-19 and uh, he said well there's a couple of brands that have been interested but no one's really got back to me and I just sort of said well, I'll put it on the table right now we'll, we'll come to as many events as we can we'll put the gazebo up, flags up we'll get that event field we'll support riders with neutral support you know, people have got punctures or any issues will we'll be there on site. And that was probably more so than committing to the prize fund. That was the thing he was most interested in. He was most interested in a, a brand that was willing to come and engage, um, mm-hmm. support the riders, provide an event feel, um, because that's, that's what the environment you want to create. That's what makes people enjoy events. Um, so, yeah, he basically said that, you know, provisionally that would be, Uh, good to do Uh, so I was next I I slept (laughs) (laughs) and then the next morning went in you know table and I said look we can we can make a start this year um, the sponsorship of the Scottish Enduro series and that was was just like even just saying it out loud it it didn't even feel real Um, Mm. I was sitting you know uh, in Barcelona in an office of a major brand you know just getting ready to launch uh, a business and It was like, it was a bit of a dream. Um, And sort of that that went down really well. Um, You know, it was a key set of events. We could use it for promotion. Uh, We'd get on site. We'd get really good face-to-face contact with our our, uh, potential consumers. And uh, we shook hands, and I I took a plane home. And as of then, I was a a distribution agent for MSC Tires. And uh, we've only sought to grow it, I mean, uh, in our first year, predominantly by really being focused on events. We are... A very small business we have to do everything organically we don't have a lot of money to go and do double page spreads in mbr we've got mm-hmm. to be creative um and we've tried to build brand loyalty basically by being on site and being uh, committed to trying to support our, our riders and mm-hmm. support individuals in our community who who are early adopters as well um we've got some brilliant stories uh, people that have traveled um um, one, of my, one of the ones actually from a, close to my area is a guy called Mike Klein. And he went out and set himself the challenge of doing the full EWS uh, World Circuit last year. And uh, he ended up coming sixth overall in the world in the men's masters. And it was just, you know, wow. absolutely astonishing result and an and astonishing investment from him as well. So, you know, being able to help and support athletes like that, I've taken that on. We've also, um, I mean, the people that I've met are so much part of this business. It's really hard to express. Um, we've got a brilliant guy called uh, Sean Green. And this is one for everybody to look up because this guy runs um, blog and videos and, and Facebook posts and everything called uh, Grizzly Munro Diaries.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He's basically taking on all 282 or so of the Scottish Monroes now anyone that doesn't know a Scottish Monroe is it's a mountain over 3,000 feet and his aim is to take his bike to the top of every one of these and uh, ride as much as he can on the way up and on the way down
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's just a phenomena it's a multi-year sort of adventure and yes yeah, when, when you get these stories that coming back and you know people are using your equipment um, there's a really, there's a sense of, sort of pride you're not doing it but that' you're, you're involved and you're supporting them mm-hmm. and, um, it's brilliant to have that connection. I mean, mm. uh,
1: well, Sean's an amazing individual. I actually had Sean on the podcast. I had him on back in episode 57, just looking at it there when you mentioned his name. And uh, yeah, what he's doing is crazy. Now, he uses a brand that you distribute called Bike. Is that right? Yeah, that's right.
2: I mean, that's a super innovative, just, uh, I say innovative, but it's also super simple. Um, mm-hmm. It's um, It's just basically a, a hard resin sort of uh, injected molded plate that has velcro straps that uh, basically make it compatible with 99 percent of rucksacks uh backpacks day packs and it just straps on to the top of the two shoulder straps behind your neck and there's a slot in it and then there it come it comes equipped with an additional strap and you put that strap down on your frame just near to your bottom bracket and it has a metal pin on the strap which is you know when i say metal pin it's best part of a centimeter thick so it's like a stud almost mm-hmm. basically you just flip your bike and you uh align the slud uh, stud sorry with the slot on the, the hookah bike on your backpack and then you can hike up the hills with your hands free um it, as i say it's innovative but simple um it's a brilliant brilliant product um yeah Can really i mean we we came across them because they are a really small outfit based in Germany um, they do all their own manufacturing. They um, only have a very small number of products. They've got a couple of other things that they're working on, but they are, they're a growing brand, you know, basically a startup. Um, and that's the kind of people that we like to be involved in.
1: Yeah. Like I love products like that, you know, that make something better for you as a rider. They solve a problem basically you know and for sean obviously that was a a major issue because a lot of the monroes he's doing he's hiking up he, he can't they're too steep he can't ride them up or there's snow on them or something
2: you know what i mean snow or ice i mean uh-huh man's unstoppable
1: yeah so for that for him for sean that creates a huge relief it solves a massive problem um So it's so cool to see small brands like that. I love it. I love those stories.
2: Um, I mean, uh, we we rode that enduro um, uh, last year in October, and we had five or six of our ambassadors riding with us. And we rode in the last wave of the day. Obviously, we were telling Charlie's, but the guys that were and girls that were sponsored uh, are connected to us. All just came in our wave. And it was it was all, I mean genuinely see when we finished the last stage and we just looked around there's guys wearing the tops and stuff and there's there's people that we've helped and, and and who have very much helped us I mean it's a it's I to be honest I think that the people that I work with help me more than I help them and uh, I'm mm. indebted to them but it was almost a, a sort of emotional moment because. We just kind of, as the first Enduro in a tandem. We, we were just glad to get to the bottom of it without having broken anything on the bike or ourselves. And, you know, to have, to have been there and ridden the, the course with the the group was was absolutely fantastic. And mm-hmm. uh, something I want to do this year as part of our social media is to actually go and participate um, with our ambassadors in their own mm-hmm. disciplines. And whether it be adventure or, you know, I, I don't know how good i'd be on a road bike but <laughs> we're, we're definitely going to try and give stuff a go and uh and get out there um because that just getting to see them uh, and doing things in their environment it's just it gives you a much better insight to to them as an individual and um uh, and how, how best we can uh, encourage them because uh, the more we build uh, loyalty and relationships with our ambassadors the more mm-hmm. fulfilled that they feel with the relationship and um I think that that works best for everybody all around. Yeah. So your ambassadors
1: obviously almost test the product for you, I'm sure, and they give you feedback, which you can then give the brand feedback on. Does it kind of work like that? Or are you expecting that from them? Is it something they give you back?
2: Yeah. I mean, we get we get great feedback. I mean, the tires are, are one that, you know, it's um, there's a long production time between us getting a tire in our hand and it going from a, a sketch tread pattern through to, I mean, I've seen the whole process go through with factory business and things. You know, you start off with the concept, um, the category the tire is going to be in, and then you break it down into the tread pattern design. It gets 3D modeled on the computer, and then it actually gets made on a 3D printer. So you get hard uh, plastic sort of three-inch sort of section of what would the tread pattern would look like. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go to prototyping. Um, and you get the first ones done and then you know then you need to test test those and sometimes we get a couple of prototype models across here. I mean the, the majority of the, the work is obviously done at headquarters in Barcelona. Um, mm-hmm. But we do receive we do get prototype models, um, early editions of tires that we then and give out to guys and we we test those and we then there's maybe three months, you know, sort of will go by and you need to get your order in with the factory because obviously then there's there's manufacturing time to build in as well. So it's hard. It's hard to make changes on the sort of what we call your first edition, you know. So, but we things get revised as time goes on, and and we learn. And especially with carcass layups, I mean, we learned a lot. um, You know, the Scottish Enduro Series events and locations like Kinloch-Leven and Pitficky. I mean, they're hard, and the guys riding, girls, they're just they're going so fast nowadays. Bikes are allowing people to travel so fast on courses um, that you know. There's, I think, the tire market has had a lot of work to do in the last uh, 18 months to keep up uh, with the carcass technology to, to cope with the demands of the modern rider and the modern enduro bike. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to see that probably happen again um, with the more e electric enduro bikes and trail bikes that we've seen, just for the added weight. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, a really interesting um, opportunity to see see how the designs can change and the, uh, the graduation of the carcasses and things in the layup i mean it gets a bit technical at times but uh, the end result is that the riders uh, have seen progressive improvement um and we're we're looking forward to bringing out some uh new model we've got this uh, hot seat that is basically as you imagine from the title it's uh going mm. to be downhill enduro based tire we've got it out in 27 and a half at the moment we're just waiting on the, the first batch 29 inch to come hopefully in may mm. um, and then we'll be doing a lot more publicity about that. But
1: that's that's going to be a brilliant time. Wow, wow. So, Keith, tell us a little bit about how the distribution thing works because I think there's a slight misunderstanding just with the general public about it. So you're the distributor. So your job is to help the brands distribute their product um, mainly through consumer stores. Is that right?
2: That's right. I mean... Ultimately, our goal is to develop a, a good relationship with the wider independent um, dealer network.
0: Uh-huh.
2: But it's, when you start and no one has ever heard of your name, you can walk into a bike shop, and um, and, and, and I know we would not blame any dealer whatsoever, um, but they, they would turn and say, well, my customer doesn't know what they are. They don't want to take the risk, you know. so mm-hmm. we, we can't sell it sort of thing. Um, so you have to build up a, a, a reputation. You have to build up. Um, consumer knowledge um, in the product so that people come into the shops almost asking for it you know because it is a really competitive market I mean we've got some really brands out there and uh, I I, I do all the marketing and the web stuff and social media in the UK Um, and so it's a it's a challenge to to develop that consumer knowledge um, when you're at the scale that we're at um, which is why we, we're so event-focused and event-heavy because we feel that it tends to filter down from the top. So we've we've pushed a lot in the, in the enduro scene and the cross-country scene. Uh, we sponsor the Scottish cross-country series and the Scottish enduro series. And and we have found that it has worked. I mean, the friends of those people that maybe go and race at that level, uh, but the, the, the racers come back and they ride out with their friends and then they see them on the tyres and then it starts to dissipate slowly down through and mm-hmm. trickle down. Um, But the challenge is, I mean, we've got a lot of work to do. We're aware of that. Um, Trying to build the brand in in England and Wales as well and across Northern Ireland. Um, We've got um, a brilliant rider uh, in the south, uh, Ross Ennis, who's absolutely flying. He's he's been across and done some of the European Enduro series and a super talented young guy, full of enthusiasm. And and he's helping us. Um, We... With, like any business, we've been a little bit tentative with the whole Brexit thing and how that's going to affect uh, mm-hmm. the market for for retailing uh, and, and wholesaling across to uh, the north and the south. Um, so we're hoping to see a wee bit more sort of stability in that and we'll be able to progress that market a bit more. Certainly, I would love to see uh, MSC tyres on the hook in, uh, in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and the big thing is, too, you're not just promoting one brand as such like you have six or seven brands under your wing there so you're doing I suppose slightly different things for every brand and trying to promote that that to the specific customer that that's aimed for.
2: Yeah so we've got a, a really nice uh, brand for the bike packing which is called ace pack and uh, from the Czech Republic and uh it's really good value stuff you know it, it compares very competitively in the price band but it's still made with Cordura and YKK zips and it's mm-hmm. we uh went and, this is one of the things you have to do as a distributor so if you imagine um i set up and i, I had the tires so i needed to, to find like my friend in the Netherlands did the model that i was following was to get maybe five small brands that we could work with so i went across to Eurobike um and i did a lot of research online i mean i was just Googling bike shows and then looking at the traders that were exhibiting and then going down through the lists of traders and then Googling those and finding out what they were. And then when I struck across one that I really sort of um, just either felt right, I would just follow that up with emails. Sorry, I wasn't at the show, but I'm interested in your product lines.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. That up with emails, phone calls, and and only a very small percentage of those will, will come off because of either terms or what either party is looking for um but we, yeah we, we've got this nice little collection of brands now and you know you, to a certain aspect we have to do different things i mean um there's a we've got a rider in yank who uh, went out with her friend in nepal and she was the, the first female uh to cross the great himalayan trail in nepal uh, the higher route unsupported um mm. i mean the mountain passes day after day i mean when i say unsupported i mean it was the, in the latter part of it it was just her and her bike i mean it was phenomenal. Um, the resilience um, to keep pushing, and, and we were supporting her with the backpacking luggage kit and tires and things. And uh, I really look forward to hopefully getting an opportunity to to bring some more of these stories out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually at the Strathern Trail Festival uh, this weekend and uh, speaking with uh, a runner who's going to be taking on the European, uh, is it the European Cycle where it basically connects uh, the length of the UK across to the Netherlands round uh, and up to Norway and back down. It's 3,000 miles, and she's planning on running it in 100 wow. days. Wow. Um, it's, I mean, the trail running uh, is something that we've – got more involved in recently because we're working closely with a brand called Active Root, who are another local business, Um, they're based in Edinburgh, and three guys really not dissimilar to myself that are working there, Um, two of them the founders that have uh, set up this uh, ginger-braced sports drink that uses um, sort of the power of ginger as an anti-inflammatory and uh, settling your stomach, Um, so it takes a different tack to some of the other sports drinks in the market.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: um completely clean no no synthetics no um uh, uh, everything's just natural i mean you could write the ingredients on the back of a postage stamp um but th- they're a, a little bit ahead in their business i mean there was the, they are a brand rather than me, being me being a dis- distributor but they're uh about 18 months ahead in their, their business line from from when we both started but we met through uh, being at Fort William, standing in a car park with our three-by-three three gazebos up and, you know, just selling, you know, just trying to get the product out there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've got the same challenges that, that I have. So we've teamed up so that we can be an event partner for them and we can represent them because we're traveling to so many events and, you know, and we, we've built a good relationship on that. So that's, that's what I meant earlier about the, the community, um, there's a lot of people in, in small business in mountain biking because ultimately it's a pastime that a lot of people really enjoy, and a lot of people do try to make the transition from from working in the nine to five grind into doing something that they love. Uh, and people are becoming more creative and entrepreneurial. Um, and I think that the, the I've advent of social media and the opportunity to use Shopify or um, a lot of customization options now with uh, products allow people to make and create small businesses,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that's I mean that's uh, again I, mean, I fall over small brands. Uh, Pipe Dream um, is another mountain bike brand that we we work with, and they make steel hardtails, and you know it's a small niche brand in the hardcore hardtail market in the steel steel industry, but the, you know they're they're 45 minutes down the road, and you you know you can go and have a chat, face-to-face, have a coffee and and talk about um, it. There's a plethora of small business out there that really just needs an opportunity to grow. um, And that's that's something I'm very interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, Now, will you answer me this question? So as a distributor, do you have to pre-order stock with the brands? How does that work? Do you need to put an order forward basically you know so are you out a lot of capital and stock yourself
2: yeah we we take the full risk and liability i mean um everything that we bring into the uk we bring in on uh terms that uh, there's no you know no sort of buy it now pay for it next year kind of yeah separately. You know um so we have to pick the models uh oh, i mean there's there's up to 10 12 models of one tire you know sometimes if you if you look at different carcass uh thicknesses if you look at different wheel sizes if you look at tire widths if you look at different tire compounds it's enormous um mm-hmm. so we've got to try and pick the trends what we think riders will want um and pick those core models and because it would be um impossible to to stock the full um every variant uh, ultimately, I suppose, as a business, it would ultimately be our goal. But you know, as we, we've got to focus uh, where we can put our cash flow. Um, and, yeah, it's a challenge at times because, you know, uh, we have to look at it for the start of the cross-country season. We've got a lot of teams. We've got the KTM factory team. We've got the Accelerate team and uh, WXC team all putting in their orders for their their tires for this season. You know, and that, uh, that's fantastic. We hope that all those, you know, go out there into the wild and, and inspire and encourage more people to come. Um, and buy and try uh, the cross-country tires but we, we we need to allocate a certain amount of funds to uh, to that and then making sure we have the stock so is that we can uh, take advantage of the promotion that that gets us
1: yeah like it must be very difficult to balance that you know you're buying from you're buying from six or seven different brands you're trying to almost crystal ball kind of stuff in a way you're trying to figure out what you can sell the quantities you need what stores you're you're possibly supplying all this kind of stuff is it very difficult to balance all that and get it right
2: it is when you're just our size um it's it's a scale of economy um the more dealers that we get um on board then the, will, the easier it will get because of the continual cash flow coming into the business will be will be stronger. Um, it's a growing pains, you know. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Something that ultimately we hope will get a bit easier with time.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Because I suppose if you get stores involved, then they would do a pre order through yourself, okay. and then you can send that order to the brand. Is that how it works?
2: Uh, no, we, we we need to we need to be able to guarantee we can fulfill the orders direct to dealer um so we need to have the stuff in, in in advance of their orders really um and, and once we get uh a little bit further down the road another couple of years you know but a brand uh, ultimately the dealer wants a tire tomorrow um mm-hmm. you know and, and so many independent bike shops have don't have the capital or the capacity to hold 20 30 tires of stock of the same model or or are wanting to fulfill uh, large pre-orders Mm-hmm. because they don't have the, the cash flow themselves. You know, a, a lot of independent bike shops nowadays will have a bike come in It needs a new rear mech. Fitted. They might have one in stock, but they might just have to order it next day from their supplier. Okay. And then. So it's that's very much how the market plays at the moment, um, largely due to the massive range of potential specifications. I mean, if you just looked at rear mechs alone, the shop would have to invest thousands in, in having all the different gear rear speeds, gear, you know, cage mm-hmm. mechs, Uh, brands and then the quality levels you know slx XTR. so they're just not in the capacity to do that so um ultimately a lot of independent bike shops almost fall into a consumer-like um situation where they'll they'll order a pair or you know even down to a single tire at times Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah because they can't the days of doing two massive kind of pre-orders per year those days have kind of gone almost in in the industry. And it's like you say, because there's so many different variants to stuff now. It'd be an absolute, you couldn't do it. You just possibly couldn't stock everything.
2: Yeah. So I'd much rather that a a dealer had a couple of core models, you know, a couple of uh, cross country, a couple of trail and a couple of sort of enduro gravity tires and then hold the catalog. And then if a customer comes in, you know, I'm I'm happy to shift stuff out the next day so that they have it. um, And then the client can get it pop back into the shop, pick it up, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, but the the market has to be diverse. I mean, I want to support independent bike dealers, um, but at the same time, you know, we're trying to grow a band. Um, We have to do our own online sales as well, Um, but we we try and stick to RRP on our website. So is that uh, in terms of competition, you know, we we can't seem to be um, doing cut prices on our own website and then trying to supply independent bike shops at the same time. You've got to, Mm -hmm. As a brand, if we're doing it on the site, we we, we give various benefits to clubs and organisations or uh, as event prizes, vouchers and things like that, support the events in that, that kind of way. Um, but that, that's the only the only time that we really discount stuff is because someone's either won a prize or they've volunteered to be a marshal or they've volunteered to do a dig day or something like that. We try and reward the people in the community who are actually doing the good work, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, you seem uh, you seem very entrenched in the the kind of local communities there and getting involved and stuff, which is lovely, which is really lovely to see. And the, the mountain bike community is so good as well.
2: Yeah, the bottom line is we wouldn't be here without it, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So I've got to try and do as much for that as possible. Um, I think that you know people stick by that. There's a lot of there's a lot of loyalty. I mean, a lot of people. What we find is actually a lot of people. You know, in 2018. We went to our first enduro um, and we pitched up, you know, gazebo up and, and, and people came and pointed at tires. Nothing heard of those before. You know, we did a lot of talking and, and stuff and introducing the brand, but, you know, very few sales. And we went back, you know, Uh, 12 months later having followed the circuit fixed punctures with people all sorts of brands you know anybody that comes down off the hill with a flat we're we're, um, helping you know to to service and we've always got track pumps we've always got kit there Um, you know and uh, you can't be too proud I mean if someone walks onto our MSC tire stall with a a, a Schwalbe or a a Continental says can you help me fit this absolutely we're there at the end of the day to, to help the riders Mm-hmm. Uh, so just got to kind of crack on and that builds loyalty and we went back uh, a year later you know and we must we sold a lot of tires on the first event you know um mm-hmm. and it's great just seeing that change um but you you have to earn it um i don't mm-hmm. think you just my view is you, you can't just waltz in with a nice double page spread you, you have to be there um you know
1: yeah well i think it's like anything people have to trust you almost you know um and with you being at the events and supporting them, I think people appreciate that and will give back when they can. So it's it's great to see the future of Terra Venture, Keith. Because you're quite young, aren't you? You've only been going. How? When did you actually start?
2: We started in uh, April uh, 2018. So yeah, so we're, we'll be celebrating our the completion of our second year, um, which is. Uh, it, uh, it's a sort of three-year plan, you know, to to develop and grow as a startup. Once you get past three years, I don't think you can you really call yourself a startup so much. Anymore. <laughs> so we know we need to have our big boy pants on going into year three, and uh, you know, make some progress and uh, and get out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure.
1: Is there anything exciting in the near future you can tell us about or anything like
2: that? Well. I think what we're going to do is we're going to, as I mentioned earlier, we talked about uh, getting out into the environment with some of our ambassadors. We're going to see uh, a lot more content this year. Um, We set up a new website just before Christmas, uh, which is more blog and content based. We're going to be encouraging uh, people to come and participate in that. We've got some uh, coaching uh, ambassadors now um, with Rideout in the north and also with uh, Ride Lines in the Tweed Valley. Uh, we hope to engage with those guys to offer some tips and pros, uh, things to do on the trail. We're going to be doing a lot more um, adventure stuff. Uh, we're going to have some uh, challenges and things like that. We've, we've got some uh, plans to bring each ambassador or our group of ambassadors in to, to undertake some challenges and uh, put that out in some sort of content form, videos and things. Um, again, it's just trying to, we have the community there, but I don't think we're really, Telling people about it enough, um, and I think that uh, bringing in a bit of humor and a bit of adventure and things like that will 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 help to, to help to make people aware of us, um, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the key thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. And um, you know, and with all the with all the time spent on it, Keith, and everything else, and the stress that goes with running your own business, are you really are you happy you made the shift into this kind of environment?
2: I love what I do with a passion um it's it's it, you know I can't say I jump out of bed every day <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean because you know sometimes you work late sometimes you do you know you do different things but I, I love it yeah um I would find it very hard to change and to do something else I'll put it like that uh, yeah. you know I'd, i working in the emergency services I wouldn't really class it that you'd have a normal life anyway so I don't I, you know the 9 to 5 would be a complete culture shock because even prior to this, you know, 10 years of shifts and frontline response work, it, it really, uh, it's a very different world. So yeah, I'm still quite far removed from the office 9 to 5. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you'll see me going back anytime soon. No, good stuff, good stuff.
1: So Keith, how can people best find you and find out your products and how to purchase and stuff like that?
2: We have our website, which is www. TerraVenture.co.uk. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram as TerraVenture, and you can follow our MSC Tires UK accounts on those platforms as well. Um, we have just started a YouTube channel, TerraVenture. We're hoping to. We've got a couple of just some of our own adventures and things on there at the moment, but we're hoping to to output a lot more of our work uh, on that channel in, in the year to come. You will see us at the Scottish Enduro Series at the uh, No Fuss events. We'll be up at the 10 under the bend. We're also going to be around some of the. uh, We've got a brilliant uh, youth series uh, in Scotland. Um, There's one in the Borders called the Mini Downhill Series, but we're we're involved with the Highland Hardline, which is uh, the Northern Series. And that is just one of the best. opportunities for young kids to get involved in many downhills and mm. uh, downhilling and development i mean there's some brilliant writers coming through that at the moment um so the fantastic work by both of those series is, um and what's really nice is that they although they, they, they're in different areas in scotland um they come together to create a regional uh, championships at the end um it's really good work by the organizers there um We'll also be following, uh, FM. there's a brilliant event coming up, which we're really looking forward to, at the Comrie Croft, which is called uh, Clans at the Croft, and it's a team enduro, and you have to develop your own clan and bring your riders and then race, and then it's uh, there's a, a two-day event there. So that's, that's a big one on our calendar for this year.
1: Mm, sounds good.
2: So, yeah, and uh, we've got some partners that we'll be linking up with um, down for the Welsh Enduro Series, so we'll have people down there Uh, The tyres will be able to see. So uh, out in the ground, if you're basically doing an enduro or an event in Scotland, you will come across us. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And you're at these events yourself, are you, Keith?
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, it's my van and trailer and uh, gazebos and they go up and down about 30 times a year, uh, events across Scotland and England. So. Uh, that's that's part of the uh, the work you know you use, uh, the Monday to Friday is the business uh, trying to develop it uh, make new contacts uh, working and um, doing orders for the ambassadors and orders for shops and orders uh, from our website I mean uh, literally we ship and wrap and parcel and post and uh, do the social media for everything like the whole wow. the whole boonah you um, it, it touches these hands nearly on every occasion so if you've got a tyre right there, it's uh, it's
1: come through, through you. Yeah, wow, it's crazy, it's crazy. You're juggling many balls <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, we, we drop a few occasionally, but we try a bit.
1: <laughs> well, you wouldn't be human if you didn't, so you're allowed to do that. Well that's it, Keith it's been great having you on the show and getting an insight into distribution and everything else because I think it's something people don't think about you know they, they don't think about how the product gets into their hand really at the end of the day they just go to a store and buy it or they go online and buy it but there's a whole thing behind that and how it gets from manufacturer to the end consumer so thanks for shedding a bit of light in that for us it was great to get you on the show.
2: Yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, definitely if we get involved and get across to uh, Northern Ireland and, and to the south with a couple of events, uh, next year we'll be giving you a shout.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'll come and say hello, I'll buy you a coffee because I'm sure you'll be too busy selling stuff.
2: <laughs> Give us 50 euros, you can have a seat in the back of the tandem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I might just take you, you up or that. You can identify
2: the cause, I'll let you do that.
1: class stuff well listen keith thanks so much good luck for the near future bro and i hope things go well for you and uh it grows and grows there and um you know i don't want you to be too busy obviously but i hope you get busy and uh, i keep busy Uh, it's uh
2: it's being busy not being a busy fool that's the key so uh, that's it
1: (laughs) thanks so much keith have a great day bro sure you that's a wrap for episode 126 folks i hope you found that enjoyable you found that interesting and just learned a little bit more about how the product gets from the brand into your hands um i certainly find it interesting but uh you know it's it's one of those things that makes the industry tick so thanks so much for listening to the show and for tuning in Keith, thanks so much for coming on, bro, and uh, telling us a little bit about your new company, Terra Venture and how you've been going over the last couple of years there, and I hope you all the success in the near future, and I'm sure our paths will cross, and we'll chat again, so thanks so much for coming on the show. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about TerraVenture, about our chat, just head on over to the website, mtb-tribe.com, you'll get all the links to terra venture their socials and the brands they stock and everything like that and how you can get in contact and uh, purchase some of those really cool brands that terra venture have in stock you'll also get a little bit more input into the episode uh, with the show notes on what we chatted about and stuff like that you can also listen to the show directly from there now to redeem your 15 percent off when you're on the terra venture website and at checkout just simply enter the promo code MTB Tribe 15. That's all higher case letters and one word MTB Tribe 15, and you will get your 15% discount at checkout. Now, just remember it's only for the month of February, so get your orders in sooner rather than later. And if you want some more information, just simply go to the resources page on MTB tribe.com and you'll find a little bit more information about it there. Now, if you want to support the show, the best way of doing that is by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. And let's hope we can get people off the sofa and onto the saddle. Now, if you're not on Apple, don't worry. You can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify and Podbean. And we're on the majority of podcast platform so wherever you listen to your favorite shows you will surely find us on there now also check out the website mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete back catalog listen and download every show and remember it's totally free You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. And if you have subscribed and you're not getting emails, just please check your spam folder. I know a lot of emails have been dropping into the spam and there's like over 60 people that haven't clicked that email just to say yes, that they want to receive emails. So I know a number of you have been dropping in there over the last few weeks. So please do that and you will get your one email per week just with a quick synopsis of the show and who to expect on the podcast that week now you can also get involved on social media we are at MTB Tribe on instagram and facebook and please share the posts take screenshots whatever you can do to help spread the word of the show we don't have backers we don't have sponsorship and the only way the show grows is just naturally through word of mouth so please if you do that i would be much much appreciated so thanks for tuning in this week folks thanks for being here and listening to another episode of the mtb tribe podcast and as always i tell you this every week but please please do it if you haven't get the bikes out hit the trails and as always stay mtb stoked